Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. And welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I'm always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart, a real deal guest. And I got to tell you, today's show is a winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that. And I'm excited to pick her brain for your benefit today. And as many of you know, it's really also for my benefit as well. It's one of the cool cool goodies of, uh, of running your podcast. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs or my mastermind group or through Powerful Words Character Development, you know how much I focus on leadership, right? Well, this show is going to help us to take a look at that in a number of different and, I believe, important ways. So today's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. She's got a ton of valuable info about what I consider to be one of those topics that helps us go from good to great to even better. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. We only get one ride on this merry-go-round, folks, and let's make sure it's one hell of a ride, shall we? Alrighty, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your spouse, your child, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So, before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our special guest expert today. Dory Clark is an adjunct professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business and the author of Entrepreneurial You. Reinventing You and Stand Out, which is named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, the New York Times described her as an expert at self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. We could all use that, right? A frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, she consults and speaks for clients including Google, Microsoft, and the World Bank. You can download her free entrepreneurial you self-assessment workbook and learn more at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. And for those of you who are streaming directly off of our show notes page on the website, you can just click right through. Folks, this is going to be a fabulous, fabulous interview. Get yourselves ready. Stretch out your wrist. You're going to take some great notes. And let's dive in. Dory, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Hey, Jason, thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. So, you know, before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure of meeting you or hearing you speak or reading your books, take a second, if you would, would you share your story with our listeners? You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Dory Clark? <laughs> well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, I, I have been self-employed for the past 11 years, uh, running my own business, doing marketing strategy consulting, and now uh, a lot of uh, 
writing business books like Entrepreneurial You and speaking and consulting and coaching around them. Um, but I actually got my start in kind of a kind of a roundabout way and have had a lot of professional experiences that shaped me early on. I was a journalist and originally got laid off from my job and so ended up going into politics. Um, I had been a political journalist, and so I shifted over to become a spokesperson on political campaigns, including a gubernatorial race and a presidential race. And uh, anyway, my candidates always lost, <laughs> so uh, I uh, ended up running a nonprofit for a couple of years. And it was through that process that I that I realized actually that running a nonprofit in in a lot of ways is basically running your own business. Um, you know, in theory, it's a nonprofit, but you still have to turn a profit. You still have to uh, be able to pay for your expenses. And I realized through that, wait a minute, I could do this for myself. And so those early days of really being being a scrappy entrepreneur first uh, for the benefit of the organization I was running and then later for for running my own entity, I think really uh, gave me a good grounding in some, perhaps some of the, the challenges that your listeners are facing about um, really how to stand out and get noticed in the marketplace. And so today, the, the writing and the speaking and the work that I do is focused really squarely around that. How do entrepreneurs, professionals, small business owners in an increasingly crowded and noisy space stand out, get heard, get recognized, and avoid the race to the bottom that so many people are, are facing? We need to push back. We need to uh, make sure that our communities and our target audiences really understand the value we bring. And so that is what I'm committed to helping people do. I love that. So I, I want to I talk about the book for a sec. Um, one of the things I, I love about speaking to authors, um, aside from the fact that you tend to really know your stuff, is you know the fact that you had this book inside of you um, and were, you know, 100% able to get it out and not only get it out, but really get it out so that it's impacting lives worldwide. Um, tell me this, you know, what made you decide first off to write the book? Well, for entrepreneurial you in many ways, I, I actually view it as kind of a, kind of a culmination of a trilogy. <laughs> I, I, wanted to write books that were the books that I wished had been available for me when I was at various points in my business. And so my first one, Reinventing You, um, is really a book about a professional reinvention. It's about career change or job change or, or just how to get people to view you in a different way so that your talents can really be seen. And then my most recent book that, that came out after that was called Stand Out, and it was about how to get really known in the marketplace, how among the, the world of options out there, you can really connect with your audience and let them know that you should be their choice, that you are among the best in your community, the best in your field. And then finally, Entrepreneurial You, my most recent book, is kind of bringing it all together because ultimately it's... It's great to be in, in, in an industry and career that you love. It's great to be recognized as being preeminent. But what you really need to do in order to make that sustainable, let's be honest, you need to make money. 
And so Entrepreneurial You is fundamentally a book about how to monetize once you have gotten your business going. How do you create multiple income streams? How do you turn on that spigot so that you can sustainably and successfully run the business that you're passionate about? Makes so much sense. So you just touched on so many points there that I want to, I want, I want to, I'm hoping you'll elaborate on. You know, the first one that I've got here is, you know, you said multiple revenue streams. So why do you feel it's critical for small business owners to have those multiple revenue streams? Well, I think the the operative metaphor here is is sort of the the legs of the table, right? Uh, it's pretty it's pretty easy to knock the table over if there's only one leg, but if you if you have a couple, if you have three, if you have four, then it's a lot sturdier and, and steadier. And so, if you are only making money from doing one thing. If there is any kind of disruption in the marketplace, um, it can be really problematic. I mean, let's say you're you're running uh, a karate studio, and you know, heaven forbid, but let's say uh, there there becomes some sort of a movement uh, around childhood concussions, where let's say there's a study that that says, oh no, you know, karate can increase the rate of concussions. Well, if all of a sudden the parents in your community become completely freaked out about that. Um, then it, you could be in trouble. Your, your enrollments dip 20%, 30% overnight. That becomes problematic. And so I, I think that we need to war game scenarios and we need to think, all right, well, how can we, how can we diversify? How can we, uh, how can we hedge against risk? Let's take a, uh, a slightly different scenario. Let's just say that for whatever reason, um, Karate suddenly goes through a uh, a period where it's just less trendy. Everybody everybody suddenly decided, oh no, I wanna I wanna do field hockey or you know whatever whatever people are sort of glomming onto. If uh, if if that's your your only game, uh, it can be it can be risky. So thinking through, all right, well, are there are there other things that we could use our studio for? Or thinking through, all right, well, we've always done group classes, but maybe we should be doing individual coaching and making a push into that as well. Maybe you could say, you know what, uh, this regional market may be getting slightly saturated because there's a lot of other karate studios, but what if we started offering online instruction so that we could be reaching people in underserved areas where they're hungry for this instruction? Just asking those questions and thinking about different possibilities is a way to guard against uncertainty and to protect yourself from the downside. I think a lot of people equate entrepreneurship with taking more risks. The truth is, in a lot of ways, it's about mitigating risks. It's about being smart and saying, how do I, how do I protect my downside? That makes so much sense. It absolutely does. And, and quite honestly, like we've all, we've all been through those, you know, peaks and valleys, right? So, you know, nobody needs to have severely lean times if, if not 100% necessary. And it doesn't seem to be 100% necessary. So one of the other notes I've got here, as far as one of the things I have to ask you is you talked about monetizing. Um, I think an awful lot of folks that I've had the opportunity to work with um, don't necessarily think big enough that way or creatively enough um, to on how they should be monetizing. So one of the, one of the components really is a personal brand. 
So do you have any thoughts on, you know, how does your personal brand factor into, you know, your ability to monetize? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a really important point, Jason. So sometimes people think that having a strong personal brand is, you know, maybe it's a nice to have, but it's not that important. Or, you know, maybe they just say, oh, well, it's not, it's not my thing. I don't like to focus on that. So I won't worry about it. But, but you know, and, and is it true that if you are completely anonymous, you can still make a living? I mean, yes, you, you, you can. But I will argue it is a lot more difficult, uh, and especially as the marketplace gets more and more crowded and competitive, having a strong personal brand allows you to differentiate yourself. And let me give an example. Let's say you run an after-school cheerleading program, okay? What, what is it out of all of the different options for, for kids, let's say even, even just within the cheerleading space, what is it would make someone want to choose you over your competitors? Well, you know, odds are most parents probably don't know enough about the mechanics of cheerleading to really be able to individually evaluate and say, oh, well, the form and the technique of this place is far superior to the other one. I mean, those are, those are the judgments that really knowledgeable people would be able to make. Most lay people really don't know. And so what they do rely on is your personal brand, meaning what is your reputation in the marketplace and what are the credentials that you bring to bear? If, if you or some of your instructors, uh, for instance, have been former professional cheerleaders, if you have someone, you know, who used to work for the Redskins or the Cowboys or whatever it is, people would say, oh, they must know what they're doing. That is strong credibility, strong personal brand. Maybe, you know, other components of personal brand could be community affiliations and leadership. Let's say you took on a role where you are uh, the, the president or an officer of the local chamber of commerce. That gives you stature in your community. That gives people a reason to choose you rather than someone else. Let's say you have some kind of a longstanding relationship with uh, with certain schools or certain uh, programs that that uh, you know put students forward and have been successful at state and regional championships those would be reasons but it all ties into your personal brand essentially what the bottom line is is that people are willing to pay more for an expert and if you can position yourself as an expert compared to, oh, the random people down the street who happen to do cheerleading, then that is going to bring people to you and allow you to charge a premium for it. So credentials and celebrity. Basically. I have, uh, I have a formulation that I've developed. I actually created last year an online course called Recognized Expert, which uh, you know really helps uh, professionals walk through that process of how to become a recognized expert in their field. And the, the framework that I developed after interviewing hundreds of very successful professionals is that fundamentally, in order to become a recognized expert, there are three, there are three levers, there are three components that you have to work on. Um, the first is content creation, the second is social proof, and the third is network. And, you know, just briefly to explain what I mean by that, um, content creation is giving people a way to see your ideas in action. And, you know, just to sort of break it down, 
if you're running this this after school cheerleading program, no one really knows if you're if you're any good or not, right? I mean, you know, people might talk around the community, but it's hard for people to to really understand and evaluate: Are you good at this? Are you going to be a good instructor? And so, the way that you can let people know is through content creation. It gives them a way that they can try you out. So maybe it is writing blog posts about uh, about the best ways to, uh, uh, to to train cheerleaders. Maybe it's creating a series of YouTube videos or having a great Instagram feed where you're showing your uh, students, you know, doing their routines, and, and it's amazing. That creates proof so that people can see with their own eyes that you're good. Now, social proof, the second thing, uh, is essentially your credibility. What is it about you? What affiliations do you have that give people a reason and a predisposition to take you seriously? So that could be that you have an instructor that used to be a former professional cheerleader. It could be that you are uh, involved with a local chamber of commerce, etc. And then finally, your network. Um, this is uh, this is the the group of people that uh, that you surround yourself with. Um, I mean, it, it helps a lot of levels. One is that if you are really plugged into your community and you are friends and colleagues with other people who are sort of movers and shakers in the community, let's say other people who are on the board of the chamber of commerce, that that reputation kind of accrues to you as well. People will be like, oh, yeah, you know, she's really plugged in. She is a pillar of the community. That gives people confidence in working with you. Um, but also, those people can be your earliest ambassadors. They're the ones who are out and about and letting folks know, oh, yeah, if you need an activity for your kids after school, definitely do this one. This is fabulous. Um, the Obviously, the, the social proofing aspect is – so, so important because again, everyone says, all right, well, where do, uh, where do all your friends go? And let me talk to their parents and mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's whether, you know, all the other stuff I think is, is super important. Um, this I feel is super, super important because now all of a sudden you've got, um, your whole pack of friends that, that's attending one particular place. There's usually a reason for that. So absolutely. Being, yeah. Being able to show that. All right. That's, that's fabulous. Um, so you mentioned as well, you know, about how crowded the marketplaces generally tend to get. And I feel like there's so much noise out there. There, there really is. So how do you, how do you get your business and your ideas noticed, you know, in the first place, you know, considering just how much crap all is floating through the, uh, the ethos these days. <laughs> Yeah, that is that is the challenge for sure. Well, I, I think some of the questions, Jason, that we need to ask ourselves first is where is your target audience already congregating? It is uh, challenging to get people to come to you, but if you can go to them and meet them where they are, that makes things a lot easier. So something that I would suggest is, for instance, um, to to take a group of your best customers that you already have and Talk to them. I mean, you know, in, in sort of the extreme version, think of it like a focus group. But I would say you could do something far more informal and just have conversations with the people that are your best customers and, you know, find out things from them about, like, you know, so where do you get your news? Where do you get your community news? Do they read the local paper? Is there a listserv they subscribe to? Maybe there's a community website. Um, is it just from talking to other parents? Uh, you know, what, what do they do? And how do they spend their time? Um, 
that's the other question. You know, what uh, what recreational gathering places do they have? Are they always, you know, at their at their kids' soccer games on the weekends? Is there a place in your community that's really popular in you know, the local rock climbing gym or whatever? Where where do they spend their time, both online and off? And how do they get their information? If you can get that data, that is invaluable because it shows you um, where you can attract other clients who are like your ideal clients. And so you can begin to shape your strategy accordingly. Maybe it's buying ads in those publications. Maybe, even better, there are things that you could do for free they could expose you to those audiences. Maybe there's a partnership that you could do with a local rock climbing gym. That would be a win-win for both of you. Maybe, uh, maybe there's uh, you know some kind of a sponsorship you could do of the uh, of the soccer team. Maybe you could ha- do a, a, a free demonstration at halftime of the soccer. League. Maybe you could start blogging and writing articles about your your field, or you know, tips for parents, for instance, uh, in for the local website that everybody reads, and just get yourself in front of those eyeballs and max out in the places where your best customers are likely to be. Folks, what I'm going to tell you, if you are listening, um, if you're driving, I want you to pull over. Um, but I want you to go back and listen to the last three or four minutes of what Dory just said, because dear Lord, she just gave you a roadmap, an absolute roadmap of what you should, could, and need to be doing. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, I loved everything about it. So, um, well, thank you, Jason. That was, that was good stuff. Um, you know, I feel like most folks tend to learn from, um, mistakes better than they learn from successes. So what would you say are the biggest mistakes that you've seen small business owners make when it comes to creating um, multiple revenue streams or really any form of success? Yeah, when it when it comes to, uh, to mistakes that small business owners make, I, I actually think that there are a lot of missed opportunities. One that, that comes immediately to mind is just, I call it the cocktail party problem, right? Um, a lot of times, you know, almost always, in fact, if you are at some kind of a gathering where you're seeing people that you haven't seen for a while, they're, they're going to ask you, right? Like, I, I guarantee this is going to happen. So, Jason, what have you been up to lately? And for the vast majority of people, they are going to drop the ball on this. They are not going to have an answer prepared, even though they know this question is coming. And they're going to say something like, oh, nothing much. Oh, same old, same old. And they let the moment pass. But the problem is, this is the moment when people actually are asking you a question, and it's not like, hey, how are you doing, where, you know, where they don't really want an answer. What have you been up to? That's a question where they do want an answer. And so if you drop the ball on this, you are missing the chance to tell people about a new activity and plant the seed in their mind. Because the truth is, you know, I used, as I mentioned, Jason, I used to work in politics, and there was a well-known saying in politics that, a voter had to be exposed to your name at least seven different times before they would even consider voting for you. And similarly, we have to remember that for for our friends, even for our existing clients, 
we're not top of mind for them. We're not the first thing they think about at night. They've kind of got, you know, or in the morning, they've, they've got kind of bigger issues than, you know, what's going on with, with our after school program. And so we have to be mindful of taking the responsibility to remind them about stuff. And so if we instead take that opportunity where people are asking, hey, what's up? And we have a really good answer for it. For instance, oh, well, I'm really excited because we just launched a new program where we're doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, the feedback on it has been amazing so far. You know, just whatever, whatever it is, to get it out there, it implants it in people's minds, it makes it relevant, and it enables them, frankly, to be a better ambassador for us. Because even if it's not relevant to them, you know, if they uh, go to their friends and, you know, their friend says, oh, you know, gosh, I, I really haven't figured out what to do with my 11-year-old this summer. Well, now they have this thing in their head. They can say, oh, have you heard about the new program that, uh, that Jason is offering? That sounded pretty cool. Maybe you should talk to him. So we want to make it easy for other people to be our ambassadors. So the, fir- the first takeaway I've got is first you actually have to be at the cocktail party. <laughs> right? Which, That's right. That's you know, right. You know, and it's interesting only because I had a conversation with a, a client probably about two months ago, and I was talking about, well, you know, are you out there? Are you? Are, are do people see your face? And she said, "Well, you know, I really don't like the whole networking thing. I really don't like to really go to those kind of things." And you know, my comment was, "Well, it's kind of your job." really is part of your job. <laughs> um, you don't necessarily have to like it. I never liked cleaning the bathrooms, but you know, they still, still had to get done. Um, and what a great opportunity. So yeah, obviously first you actually have to show up, but, um, I think that's such a really cool opportunity. Again, not that you're selling somebody, but again, to turn a whole bunch of somebody's into your brand ambassadors sounds brilliant. Yeah, thank you, Jason. I, I think uh, I think it's it's right on. I think if more people did this, it could it could definitely drive results. Well, yeah, and not in a in a sleazy kind of hey, you want to buy this used car kind of way, but more along the lines of gosh, that sounds really interesting. And no, I don't have any kids, or my kids are older, or my kids are toddlers, and that's not appropriate. But gosh, that sounds so exciting. Um, let me tell my four or five closest friends about it. So. All right, that's that, that's really cool. yeah, absolutely. I like that. I, I think I think you've put your finger on something because sometimes people are afraid to uh, to promote themselves at all because they think that it's going to come off as as bombastic and obnoxious or whatever. But the, the truth is, there is a big difference between informing people and doing a hard sell. You know, you do not have to do a hard sell. In fact, I caution you, you should not because people don't like it. It feels it feels weird. It feels icky. It backfires. But that's not the only way. Um, literally, some people, because they're so nervous about rejection or about coming on too strong, they just don't even tell people about what they're doing. And let me tell you, if if you ask somebody, hey, what are you up to? And then the person says to you, oh, well, I launched this cool new program I'm really excited about. I mean, are you going to think there there's some, you know, salesy a-hole? I, I don't think so, that they are responding to your question. And so that is how people will respond to you. You want to give them the information so that they can then take it and, you know, do, do what they want with it and spread it. But if you never share it, well, obviously it's not going to get out there. 
Well, it also makes me wonder, uh, and I've, I've had this conversation almost ad nauseum with some of my clients that, um, if you're not a hundred percent sold and excited and motivated about what it is you're doing, maybe you should do something else. You know? Yeah. Very, very true. It's, you know, I feel like it's, well, you don't have to sell anybody when, and I, I don't believe you should. Um, these are the kind of things that, you know, when someone says, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing this. If they don't say no shit, that sounds great. Um, then, you know, either you were a talking to the wrong person or, or B kind of might need to spend a little time in front of the mirror thinking about, well, what is exciting about what am I doing? What, I, what I'm doing. And, you know, again, I think this all ties in circularly to your, your personal brand commentary. Um, I think if you're blogging, if you're doing videos, if you're currently building that brand all over the place, well, you're going to have all this information at the ready. This isn't going to be have something you have to pull out of a hat. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it, it, this really is a comprehensive strategy, which makes me very excited. Um, that's that's tremendous. All right. You know what? It is time for a resource of the week. So, Dory, tell me this. How can my listeners find out more about you and how you go about helping entrepreneurs to, uh, I guess, not, not just get out of their own way, but really to thrive? Yeah, thank you so much, Jason. Well, I actually do have a free resource. It is my 88-question entrepreneurial you self-assessment. And this is a uh, a self-assessment tool that, that actually just walks you step-by-step step through thinking about your business and how you can potentially expand into interesting new multiple revenue streams. Um, so if you'd like to get that for free, you can download it at doryclark.com. That's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K. Dot com slash entrepreneur. Perfect. So, folks, um, no one should need to ask you twice or twist your arm on this. Go do this. Uh, go download it, but most importantly, go do the assessment. Okay, what a great resource. So, www.doryclark.com slash E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, entrepreneur. Okay, doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. Go grab that. Do the assessment, okay? And then, again, if, if you need some accountability on that, shoot me a, shoot me a message. Uh, post it in Facebook or hit me on email. Let me know how you did. Let me know what, what you're working on, okay? Again, most importantly, let me know what actions you're about to take. That's fabulous. All right, Dory, so I always like to end my podcast with what I consider to be a telling question. So... From your experience, if you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice, either to help their business or probably more importantly, to help them to live a better life, what would that one piece of advice be? Oh, that's, that's such a, a great question. I love it, Jason. So I will share one thing that has that has worked really well for me. Um, I have felt the the push, like probably a lot of your listeners, toward wanting to make progress on substantive and meaningful projects, but then just being dragged down constantly by meetings, by emails, by conference calls, you know, all the little administrative things that we need to do to keep going throughout the day. And so the, the way that I have balanced this, and this is something that I've written about for the Harvard Business Review, and I, I actually have a, an online course that I do called Be More Productive that goes into it, um, but I, I have a adopted a philosophy that was actually first written about by a gentleman named Paul Graham. 
Graham, who is well-known in Silicon Valley circles. And he created something called Manager Days versus Maker Days. And so the idea of it is uh, you know, he, he said that, you know, a manager, and we, this all makes sense, right? The manager is the person who kind of keeps the administrative trains running on time. Their day is 30-minute meeting, 15-minute call, 30-minute meeting. You know, it's just one after another, boom, 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 just checking on things, just keeping it going. But a maker – needs a different schedule. Someone who is creating something in depth, whether that is, you know, writing a novel, whether that is uh, just creating uh, an in-depth project, like a proposal for a new client, or trying to create a new curriculum for your program, something that actually takes sustained thought, that does not do well in 30-minute increments. You need a chunk of time to be able to dive in and really immerse yourself in it so that you can deliver a quality product. And so the way that I have adapted this is in my schedule, I do now what I call manager days and maker days. And so a couple days a week, I allocate as my manager days. That is when I schedule all my meetings, all my phone calls. And those days, to be honest, are very, very busy. So back to back. But I get into a rhythm and I get them all done. And more to the point, what it allows is for me to spend the other few days of the week with maker days. And that is where my schedule is basically empty, and it enables me to have the freedom and flexibility to go deep on the projects that will make a real difference for my business. And so that, that is my tip, and it's something that's been helpful for me. I love that. Manager and maker days. Fabulous. Folks, you, uh, you should have enough to keep you busy well past the next week. But <laughs> I think, um, you know, again, pick, pick what you're going to implement. And get on that for the week. So, Dory, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been fabulous, and I know how busy your schedule is. So it means the world to me that you share some of your time and a whole bunch of your wisdom with us. Jason, great speaking with you. Thank you so much. Actually, the pleasure is mine. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about private coaching or to see if you benefit from one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, work like hell towards it, and achieve the success you truly deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.